Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Prologue. The police found his body exactly the way it had been left. Face down, spread eagle and lying in a pool of his own blood as it oozed across the pearl-white tiles. Professor Victor Waldman had lived in a quiet, upmarket suburb that consisted mostly of small mansions and elaborate houses positioned around a sprawling freshwater lake. It was aptly titled The Lakes, although there was only one lake to speak of. Neighbours had heard and some had seen, an SUV charged down the professor's gate. Although none of them left the safety of their homes to investigate, they had called the police. A three-car accident on the highway had kept officers longer than expected. Long enough for the murderers to escape and for snoopy Mrs Petch across the way to get a glimpse at the carnage left behind. Detectives were on the scene in just under an hour, though, and that wasn't bad for a Thursday night in Australia's fastest-growing city. Senior Constable Robert Housego ducked under the police tape that had cordoned off the property from curious passers-by, and he was displeased to see the press. He nodded at a few familiar faces before stepping into the house, if you could call it a house. It had probably been your typical lakeside mansion in the 80s. Cream carpeted steps leading upstairs, soft pink walls and a completely white tiled floor. But the house had since been converted into something else entirely. Two steps through the entranceway, and it was no longer a home. It was a laboratory. The kitchen was barely visible behind a large fish tank, just one of dozens in the space that looked more like an aquarium than the dining room it had been converted from. Tanks lined every wall, most of them full of water and an assortment of sea creatures. Fish... A few stingrays, starfish, seahorses, eels and Lord knows what else. A cleared area near the entrance housed several computers, with a workspace and smaller tanks positioned next to that. Tidal charts and sheets of figures senior Constable Housego had no hope of understanding were pinned and highlighted on the corkboards above. The interior had been added to, at some point, to make what had once been an outdoor lap pool into an indoor lap pool. It was now empty, along with a huge tank on the opposite side of the room, big enough to fit a shark, or three. In the centre of it all lay a man, quite old and quite dead. Senior Constable Housego took a step towards the body and paused as broken glass cracked under his feet. The man's blood had mixed with puddles of water and spread in inconceivable patterns throughout the room. A woman in navy overalls looked up from her position next to the body. Senior Constable Housego, she said formally. What have we got, Lenny? If the informal use of Chief Forensic Officer Luyin Chan's nickname annoyed her, she didn't show it. Hell of a mess, apparently. You're not bloody kidding, he replied, taking in the state of the room and some of its still smoking contents. This here is Dr Victor Waldman, she gestured to the body award-winning marine biologist who works over at Hodgkin's University. Worked, corrected Senior Constable Housego. You got all that from the body? The neighbour, she said, nodding at a heavy woman dressed in pyjamas 
who was being comforted by a junior officer. What I got from the body is your standard execution-style kill. One to the kneecap for emphasis, and a short time later, another to the skull. Only two bullets fired. Only two bullets. Hmm, professionals then. Last month, there was a bike he hit a few suburbs over from here. Any chance this could be related? I don't see how an esteemed academic could have any ties to an outlaw motorcycle gang. Also, different weapons, different style, different MO. This doesn't feel like that. You've been wrong before, he muttered, stepping carefully around the body. Once, Chan snapped. He sniffed, taking a whiff of the burnt plastic. An officer stepped out of his way as he examined several ruined computers. Hydrofluoric acid, Chan said from behind him. A quick way to destroy a computer when you don't have much time. Is any of this retrievable? He asked, looking around for a tech specialist. One was hovering nearby, clearly anticipating the question. Afraid not. The acid did its job, she answered. Any information that was on there is lost forever, unless it was backed up by an online storage system. The security footage is gone too. Security footage? That was destroyed as well, smashed. No acid? The tech girl shook her head. You have the acid out, why not destroy the security hard drive at the same time? Unless one was done by the victim and the other by the killers trying to cover their tracks, mused Senior Constable Housego. Why would the victim destroy his own files? That doesn't make any sense. Look at this room, Lenny. We're practically in Atlantis. None of this makes any sense. Where's the security monitor? The tech pointed as the detective went to investigate. They were right. The monitor and hard drive had been completely smashed and shot. Lenny, I think we may have had some more shots fired over here. See if there are any bullets embedded in the wall behind the monitor or in the wreckage. Aye, aye, Captain. His gloved hand slipped into his pocket where he retrieved a pair of tweezers. Grabbing the flashlight holstered to his utility belt, he crouched down as his eyes ran over the pieces of broken plastic and glass that acted like a mosaic layer across the tiled floor. As his light swept the area, a metallic glint caught his attention. Slowly, carefully, he leaned forward and used the tweezers to retrieve a golden bullet casing. Nine millimetre, Senior Constable Housego said, holding it up for inspection. Chan paused what she was doing, looking back at him. Same as what I took from the body. Not the bikey ammunition of choice. Glancing around, Senior Constable Housego fished five more casings from the debris and sealed them each in evidence baggies. So, he gets two, one to the knee and one to the head. Then it looks like they emptied almost an entire round into the security system. That's a lot of noise and a lot of bang. We've got two sets of footprints coming in and going out, Chan added, indicating an area on the floor that had been highlighted with bright yellow markers. But only one gun used, Senior Constable Housego asked, speaking mainly to himself. The other person was there for what? Moral support? His gaze fell on a familiar logo just over Chan's shoulder. Seeing all security. A small ping of excitement shot through him. Constable Mead! he shouted, calling to the younger officer who had been getting a statement from the neighbour. Yes, sir? Get in touch with seeing all security. These arseholes might have destroyed the physical backups, 
but everything that's caught on camera is recorded and saved directly into their system at the Southport head office. We need the footage for the last, say, 12 hours. Account holder is a Dr Victor Waldman, 83 Rio Vista Boulevard, The Lakes. I'm on it, sir. And Mead, yes? We need that footage ASAP. We'll get a warrant if we have to, but explain the situation and they should be accommodating. Yes, sir. Senior Constable Housego hoped this was just the first stroke of luck he'd have with what was quickly turning out to be a very weird case. He turned to survey the room once more. It was cloaked in shadow, with the only visible light coming from police lamps and the eerie reflection of the tanks. The glow of heaters and filters inside the enclosures made shades of blue and green project around the room. The tank's occupants were silhouetted and the area felt almost alive. He didn't like it. Can we get some proper light in here? He yelled. Various shouts of confirmation were given in response. Power was cut. They've been working to get it back up since I got here, Chan said. The tanks are still working, he noted. They run off a separate generator. Lot of effort for some fish. He was a marine biologist, she said dryly. The detective's attention was drawn back to the huge empty tank at the edge of the room. Being careful not to step in the puddles of blood and water, he examined the interior of the bare space through the glass. A single object lay at the bottom of the tank, a squeaky toy shaped like a conch shell. He frowned. What do you suppose was in there? He asked. Don't know, Chan replied, approaching behind him. Something. They looked thoughtfully at the tank for another long moment. Something big. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series, which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter, and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations, and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.